0: Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the uh, book of Galatians, um, basically Paul's epistle to the Galatians. <clears throat> this is chapter 2 that we are ready to read, and I'm going to start here. I'm reading in the Amplified Bible. I'm going to start here in verse 1. Then, after a period of 14 years, I again went up to Jerusalem. This time with Barnabas taking Titus along also. Now Paul, the problem with this here, this break, (laughs) this chapter break, was in the previous chapter. At the end of chapter 1, Paul was describing how he was converted. And now we kind of need to clue you in on this to make sure that everything is understood well you need to understand that uh, after Paul was converted, he went to Arabia for a while, and then returned to Damascus. Now, then three years later, okay, three years later, he went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter, Cephas, okay? So, he spent years after he was converted before he went back to see any of the other apostles or anything like that. And uh, the saints, you know, had heard that he who used to persecute us is now preaching the gospel. Okay. And they were all happy to hear about that. But now realize this was, he was converted on the road to Damascus. He was baptized and then he went to Arabia and stayed a while. Now this doesn't say how long, but afterward he returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later. He went to Jerusalem, so I think he was actually studying and learning from God and getting the full revelation of Jesus Christ in this time. Now that's what I think. Understand that I, I, I don't, I don't have a verse here that particularly t- says that. Okay, <clears throat> but then we're going to continue on in chapter two, in verse one. Then after a period of fourteen years. I again went up to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. I went up to Jerusalem because of a divine revelation, and I put before them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. But I did so in private before those of reputation, for fear that I might be running or had run the course of my ministry in vain. So, he went here, and and. Wanted to put what he was preaching to Gentiles before the apostles. And that's Peter and John and uh, James's half brother, who was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Um, so there may have been others, there may not have been, I'm not sure, but he said in private before those of reputation. So he wanted to make sure that what he was preaching was correct, but all went well, for not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled, as some had anticipated, to be circumcised, despite the fact that he was Greek. My concern was because of the false brothers, those people masquerading as Christians, who had been secretly smuggled into the community of believers. So here we have these Again, these false teachers, these Judaizers going around and teaching different things and causing trouble in the Christian church. And that was his concern here. They had slipped in to spy on the freedom which we have in Christ Jesus in order to bring us back into bondage under the law of Moses. Because they wanted to still implement the law on the Gentiles. Telling them they had to be circumcised, telling them they had to follow certain certain things. I mean, some teachings w- were that they had to follow certain food rules and laws, and that was that had been done away with. Peter himself, you know, knew that that had been done away with. All right, but we did not yield to them, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel would continue to remain with you in its purity. So, in other words, they didn't. You know, they didn't give them any room to go back under the law of Moses. They have the law of liberty in Christ and love. It's the law of love and liberty, if you think about it, because um, his commandments were all about loving God and loving one another. Everything else we have here, and I need to make this distinction, and I just realized it really um, when I was reading the previous chapter, or maybe as well, anyway, recently. Everything else we have in the New Testament, you know, Jesus gave us a couple of commandments, everything else is really instruction. And instruction is teaching such as you have in school. And it's up to you to learn and know how to implement that teaching and how to use that in your life. Um, Teaching, whatever you're taught and however you're taught to be, you know, um, is not always the same for every situation all the time you know we have to be we have to be smart and use common sense we have to use the brain God gave us he gave us a brain for a reason Um, you know uh, so that's why everything that's why everything in the New Testament everything that Paul has written and all these things these are all instructions but these are not commandments they're not meant to be restrictive commandments they're supposed to be instruction so that we would be knowledgeable and know how to act and how to be but not to restrict you so that when you have that unusual circumstance where this doesn't necessarily apply or this doesn't apply exactly like that you can act accordingly because you are under the law of love and liberty and as long as you're loving God and loving one another You know, you will know the right thing to do, and you'll be able to do that, knowing that that's you know you'll have that freedom instead of being restricted. And oh well, I have to do this or act this way, even though in this instance it is not the correct thing to do. So, all right, and I can't give you an exact example, but like you know, customs and manners change throughout the world in different societies. So it could just be that in one place. you know it's wrong to eat a banana so you, you know you would go there and you'd go oh well, I, I won't eat that then because it would offend these people you know even though there's really nothing wrong with it you would act accordingly and there's probably you know uh, the opposite uh, type of things that would occur too that you would normally um, you know you would normally not do because it would be rude In your society, like burping, you know, it would be rude at an American table to sit down and just burp, 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 and, you know, just be gross. But, you know, at least at one time, I don't know if it still is, but at one time in Japan, I believe it was, that was perfectly what they wanted. That was something that they wanted, and it was uh, actually insulting not to do it. So it's that kind of thing. We have to have that freedom to do things and judge things properly and, and act that out. So I know I just got off on a bit of a tangent, but that's why we don't want to be under the law, though. The law restricts you, and it really binds you to doing certain things and being a certain way. And the Pharisees really used the law against the people, by and large. okay? And traditions and customs that they tacked onto the law, they really used that against the people, by and large. Not all of them, and not totally, but to a large degree and Jesus did not approve of that so we are under the law of like I said the law of love and liberty and you know you can think of it too sometimes as common sense I mean it just makes sense that you you know would act a certain way you know in a certain society you know you you would try to it's like Paul says you know to the Gentiles he tries to approach them as a Gentile and as you know um speaking to them, you know, in relating to them as a Roman, as the things they would have in common and they would know, and then to Jews, he speaks to them as a Jew, and as Pharisees, he speaks to them as a Pharisee. You know, he tries to relate to them in a good way, and that's what we want to be able to do. So, alright, I'm off of that tangent. But they did not yield to them to go back under the law at all, but from those who were of high reputation, Whatever they were in terms of individual importance makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. He is not impressed with the positions that people hold, nor does he recognize distinctions such as fame or power. Well, those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me. That is, they had nothing to add to my gospel message, nor did they impose any new requirements on me. So in other words, they pretty much agreed with the gospel message that Paul was preaching. But on the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised Gentiles, just as Peter had been entrusted to proclaim the gospel to the circumcised Jews. For he who worked effectively for Peter and empowered him in his ministry to the Jews also worked effectively for me and empowered me in my ministry to the Gentiles. And recognizing the grace that God had bestowed on me, James and Cephas, Peter and John, who were reputed to be pillars of the Jerusalem church, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we could go to the Gentiles with their blessing and they to the circumcised, the Jews. So the right hand of fellowship, a solemn act of partnership, signifying acceptance, agreement and trust. Okay, so this must have been some kind of, you know, symbol of trust and agreement. Okay. They asked only one thing that we remember the poor. The very thing I was I was also eager to do. Do you notice how they stressed that to Paul? They asked only one thing that we remember the poor. The very thing I was also eager to do. Are we remembering the poor? I I don't want to be I don't want to be Mr. Negative, but sometimes you know I look at our churches and in our communities and are we remembering the poor? Anyway, um verse eleven Now when Cephas, Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him face to face about his conduct there because he stood condemned by his own actions. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat his meals with the Gentiles. But when the men from Jerusalem arrived, he began to withdraw and separate himself from the Gentile believers, because he was afraid of those from the circumcision. So in other words, he was afraid of the Jews, that they would take that the wrong way. And this was um, self-righteous Jewish Converts who twisted the gospel to suit their legalistic beliefs, they observed Mosaic law and would not eat with Gentile believers. So Peter, I guess, was trying to appease them and trying not to offend them. And by and large, we probably shouldn't try to offend people. However, you know, are you who are you hurting the most? Are you offending the Gentiles by not eating with them and acting like they're unclean? You know, to suit these other people who are really in the wrong. You know, sometimes you have to make your choice and your stand, and that's why Paul, I think, got on to Peter in this case. The rest of the Jews joined him in this hypocrisy, ignoring their knowledge that Jewish and Gentile Christians were united under the new covenant into one faith, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Even, even Barnabas did it, because for whatever reason... And you got to remember that's their culture. That was their belief. They had been raised that way their whole lives. So you have to give them some, some grace here. But Paul had to correct them. But when I saw that they were not being straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas, Peter, in front of everyone, if you being a Jew live as you have been living, like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how is it that you are now virtually forcing the Gentiles to live like Jews if they want to eat with you, okay. So see, he's he's telling what the problem was right there. He's basically telling them, you know, because here Peter was probably these Jews and Peter. They, it sounds like they were withdrawing and eating only the clean Mosaic Law foods, and they wouldn't eat with the Gentiles because the Gentiles were eating. They were probably eating pork and stuff. Hey, pork is good. I don't care. Ham, pork chops pork roast. Very good. Very good. (laughs) Okay, that's a whole nother subject, sorry. Anyway, so verse uh, 15, I went on to say, we are Jews by birth, and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Yet we know that a man is not justified and placed in right standing with God by works of the law, but only through faith in God's beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Now, um, Here, you know, he's talking about not being justified. Well, you know, we're not being in right standing with God through our works. That does not bring us salvation. That does not bring us to be a child of God. None of our works do that. And that means practicing the old law, you know, practicing that law of works does not do that. Oh, okay, and he continues, and even we as Jews have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. So there you go. I didn't need to say that. He was going to say it. By observing the law, no one will ever be justified, declared free of the guilt of sin and its penalty. But if while we seek to be justified in Christ by faith, we ourselves are found to be sinners, does that make Christ an advocate or promoter of our sin? Certainly not. For if I or anyone else should rebuild through word or by practice what I once tore down, the belief that observing the law is essential for salvation, I prove myself to be a transgressor. In other words, following the old Mosaic laws is not necessary for salvation, and Peter and these other Jews were... Well, those other Jews sound like they were mistaken anyway. Sounds like Paul knew. sounds like Peter knew better, and Paul is just trying to get Peter back on track and the other guys, you know, Barnabas and them, and say, look, you know better than this. You know, you don't need to follow the old Mosaic laws, and by doing that, you're setting the wrong example for these Gentiles and for these other Jewish Christians. Um I have been crucified with Christ, that is, in him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Oh, I skipped a verse, I'm sorry. Uh, Verse 19, "For For through the law I died to the law, and its demands on me, because salvation is provided through the death and resurrection of Christ, so that I might from now on live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, that is, in him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on and completely trusting the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not ignore or nullify the gracious gift of the grace of God, his amazing unmerited favor, for if righteousness comes through observing the law, then Christ died needlessly. His suffering and death would have had no purpose whatsoever. So, and that is true. So what Paul is doing in correcting them is making sure that they they get back on track, you know, and and don't, you know, don't act this way because you know following the law is not going to save anyone. And when they do that, it sends a mixed message to those new Gentile believers. It's confusing to them to have these guys act one way and then act another. You know, you need to be consistent at all times, and it's confusing to new converts if they're Jews because then they think, oh well, I do need to adhere to these old laws. But they don't. They don't need to adhere to those old laws. Sure, if they're comfortable doing that for a time, or even for all their lives, that is their business, and it's okay. But they shouldn't feel like it's a requirement to do that. They should have the freedom to uh, to follow follow those guidelines or not. And uh, so, and Paul here is stressing that we have been crucified with Christ. Just like he's talking about himself. We have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer us who live but Christ in us. And we need to allow him that control, that authority. We need to follow him and live by faith you know, in Christ in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself up for us. I'm sort of taking those verses and making them about us. And that's sometimes how we need to read our Bible. We need to look at that and say, look, Paul's talking about himself, but we can easily replace that with us and me, and that's who we're talking about too. So we don't want to accidentally nullify the gift of God, the grace of God, by observing laws and commandments that no longer apply or do not exist. So And that's something we need to be careful of, too, that we do not make commandments and laws that do not exist. This is all about instruction. This is all about us learning how to live and walk in love in Christ. That's what I believe the New Testament is all about. So... But now that's, that's me. I don't, have, I don't have a particular verse in mind when I say that. But that to me is what that's all about. Because the only commandments Jesus gave us was to love God and to love one another. So, Alright. Um, thank you very much for listening. That is all of Galatians chapter 2. Next time we'll do Galatians chapter 3. I do intend, even though Galatians is short, on doing a short summary of Galatians, so I'm going to probably try to do this with every epistle. So, um, Again, thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. Stay safe out there. And remember, God loves you.